0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So please take a minute and visit mbcocala.com slash stories to tell us your story. And if God has used this ministry to touch your life in any way, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. Help us to continue delivering God's word to the world. You can give online or through our mobile giving app. Today we are hearing a message from our series entitled, When Life Gives You Limits. This series will teach you to trust God's guidance in your life, no matter what may happen along the way. Welcome our online audience this morning. Thank you for tuning in. It's going to be a great morning. So good to have each one of you. As you just saw in that video, our Christmas production, our Christmas services, the Christmas experience for this year at Meadowbrook is just one week away. It's actually less than one week away because we're starting Saturday night. So it's going to be this Saturday the 12th and Sunday the 13th. That's Saturday at 3, 5, and 7, Sunday at 9, 11, and 1. How many of y'all in the past have been to one of our Meadowbrook Christmas Live? Y'all enjoy that? We've been doing that about eight years or so, and that's kind of built a, a reputation in the community. People have come to expect and, and, and be excited about that. And so this year we wanted to take it even further, incorporate a lot of those same uh, incredible elements from live, along with elements from our uh, our weekend services and our, our Christmas candlelight service. Make that all in one. And, and we've lifted the tickets. There are no ticket sales this year because we really want to encourage an invest and invite culture, where you can invest in someone's life by inviting them to church. So... On your way out, grab some of these invest and invite cards from guest services, and throughout your week, your neighbors, your coworkers, friends, family, whoever, be mindful of who you could invite to church, because we believe it's going to make an incredible difference in their life. Um, We are asking you, if you consider this your your church home, um, prayerfully consider adjusting to one of the Saturday afternoon or evening performances uh, to, to make room on that Sunday morning for our guests and uh, just one other reminder that this Wednesday, the 9th, there will be no midweek service. We've got production uh, run-throughs and tech rehearsals, musician practices. All that stuff is going on this week in anticipation and preparation for that weekend. And so it's going to be well worth it. And we hope to see you all at light. All right? All right. Well, if you are, yeah, you can, you can get excited about that. You're, you're, the, you're the 10, wait, this is 10.30, right? Yeah, you're the 10.30 crowd, so you should be more rested, a little more excited. So it's all right to clap and, you know, shout me down if I get preaching good. Uh, but if, <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time this morning, my name's Lee Gilligan. I'm one of the pastors here at Meadowbrook, and it's always an honor to be able to stand in this pulpit when our pastor's out. And as many of you have heard by now, uh, almost two weeks ago, he fell from his roof uh, while he was putting up Christmas lights. He sustained some pretty serious injuries, but we are grateful because it could have been a lot worse. He's making great strides every day. He's still with us, and uh, he's going to be back with us. Um, Really, most of the pain is uh, behind him. It's it's the fact that he's just so uh, dependent on other people right now because of this awkward brace and sling and things that he's wearing. But uh, we're we're just grateful for where he's at and the progress he's making. Rather than me ramble about it and continue talking about it, we want to show you a video he shot where he could greet you himself.
1: Good morning, Meadowbrook Church family. I uh, greet great you this morning. I wanted to be able to see you. I wanted you to be able to see me. I want to thank you so much for your, uh, expressed love and prayers and care, uh, for myself, for Alicia and the, for the whole family. Um, God is good and he is, uh, daily faithful. Um, as you may or may not know, almost two weeks ago now, I had an accident where I fell off the roof and, um. Uh, could have been much, much worse, uh, but I had um, multiple fractures and shattering in my uh, left arm and then also compression fracture in my L1 vertebrae. So I'm in currently a soft cast and a, a shell. I um, have a series of appointments coming up. I've already had surgery on my arm and um, I, I'm dealing with pain and progress but thank God I'm getting progress every day a little bit better and uh, I just want to thank you so many of you have been so kind and good just extraordinary uh, kindness to me and to Alicia and I thank you for that um, you're in my prayers daily um, I love you so much uh, beyond family the privilege to to be your pastor is just um, huge and it is my joy I look forward to being back with you. I trust that you know I can't rush that. I will be back with you as soon as is wise. It would be foolish for me to come back to you to teach you how to be wise and then not be wise myself. And so you're daily in my prayers, God is faithful no matter what you're going through. God saw this day. I'm so grateful to Pastor Lee, to all the leadership and staff and dream team of the church. Everybody stay plugged in. Everybody stay faithful. It's a beautiful season, our Christmas season. Make the very, very most of it. And uh, know that we'll come through this bigger, better, stronger, more centered, more joy-filled, and uh, more grateful. Uh, I'll greet you again, I'm sure, very soon, but I want to make sure I did that today. I love you all so much. God bless you. Have a wonderful service today. Merry Christmas.
0: So it's pretty evident your pastor loves you. <laughs> and uh, that was actually the second take because he got too choked up, the The first one. Uh, but but he is ready to get back, but as he mentioned, as soon as is wise. And so we're not rushing him back. We're glad that we can continue to have church and continue to have an exciting month ahead of us. Um, I'm going to be wrapping up our mid- our weekend series today and then i'll be teaching the message part of next week we've also got pastor tom who's going to be sharing with us some in the weeks to come and then a special guest on december 20th two weeks from today uh bernard scott from our summer series he uh he kicked that off he'll be back with us bernard just look at that smile he's one of those guys you can't help but love and he's a incredible communicator, funny guy, a good friend of this house, and beyond just a friend of this church, but he, he's known my dad for well over 20 years, and so when he got the news of what happened, he wanted to help serve this church body by, by standing in and preaching for him. So definitely don't want to miss that, but uh, we're going to wrap up our series today on When Life Gives You Lemons. Have you all enjoyed this so far? How many of you all know that, that life brings about stuff that's unexpected? Meaning that because it's unexpected, you weren't necessarily planning for it? And for maybe some of you since last Sunday, that you were sitting in these chairs last Sunday, and since then you're back and you realize something happened between now and then that you didn't plan for. Uh, You know, my dad never planned to walk off a roof. There's just a lot of things that that happen. And and the good news is when life gives us lemons, when when hardship arises, um, I believe that God has laid out principles and truths and promises that we're not alone in that time. He'll help us get back on track. He'll help us walk through that victoriously. So if you've missed any parts of this, I encourage you to go back on our website, our podcast, our mobile app, Pastor's Notes. We have all kinds of digital resources available to you 24-7 so that you can take the message of the house with you wherever you're at. Uh, That's how much we believe in that. So take advantage of that. Week one, we talked about uh, perspective and how important it is to keep your perspective even when the going gets tough. Last week, I I, I talked to y'all about the path. Uh, How many of y'all were here for that? The the, the path, that just because there's a trial, that doesn't mean that it's a dead end. Because if we stop, we don't panic, and we respond, we realize God has laid out a path for us that when we walk it, it leads to restoration. And today, I want to wrap this series up, and I want to talk to you about what it means to have a firm foundation. Say that with me, a firm foundation. I want to share a story here with you for a second, and you'll see kind of where this is going. Um, I, I do pretty well with like creepy crawly things. Like, I'm not easily grossed out. Like, snakes don't bother me. Spiders really don't bother me. Mice, it starts to get a little weird. I don't really like mice. Uh, but where I draw the line is cockroaches. <laughs> do we have any cockroach haters in the house? Like, I'm, I'm a Florida boy, grown and raised, or uh, yeah, born and raised. Growing up here, so like I should be used to cockroaches, but you're never used to cockroaches. They're always in places that they're not supposed to be. They're just disgusting. And, and so a couple of weeks ago, I was coming home, and my garage was already open, and I'm cutting through. It was nighttime, and I couldn't really see the door to the house. So I, I flip on the light on my phone, and I see something kind of go in front of the door. I'm like, all right. So I make my way over the door. I flip the light on, and there before me is a cockroach. Now, this is not your average cockroach. He's what we would call a big boy. He, he was much bigger than my thumb, and I have big hands, so uh, he was big. He has what, what I would call uh, distinguishable facial features. You know the kind I'm talking about where they have like this head on top of their head? It's like something off Men in black, and like I could, I could make out his eyes. We, we were locked with eye contact. He was thinking thoughts about me, and I was like, I don't play that way. So there's that, that moment we've all had with a cockroach where you can, you can grab a, a piece of tissue and try to grab them real quick, or you can stomp them, but there's that tension. There's like, you're always hesitant because they have wings. And so once they fly, it's game over, right? So this one was way too big. Thankfully, I had a broom, and I kind of just like hockey style just kind of flipped him out of the garage. He went flying. I heard him land. That's how big he was. And you say, what does this have to do with anything? Well, I got thinking about it later, and roaches are just like masters of survival. They're masters of survival. They, you spray for them, they still show back up. They, they, they breed like more than rabbits. They're, they're, they get into stuff they're not supposed to be in. They don't need good living conditions. They can live in whatever conditions are there. Um, I've heard crazy facts that like, they can be decapitated and still live for three days. Have you all heard that? I don't know if it's true, but it makes me more afraid of them. I've also heard scientists say that they believe roaches could survive a nuclear holocaust. Um, And then if you've ever seen the movie WALL-E, the the earth is covered with trash and and mankind leaves the earth uh, and there's these trash compactor robots that stay to clean up the earth. Well 700 years go by, WALL-E is the, the only one left and his only friend that he has is this roach. We have a picture. There we go. Now see, that one's much cuter than the one I encountered. But Wally runs over him in the opening scene, and he, you think he kills him. Wally like hangs his head, and then the roach gets up and scurries away. They know how to survive. And so I say all that to say a lot of times in life, when, when life gives us lemons and hardship arises, our goal is just to survive. We make it our goal just to survive, just to get by. If I can just get through this day, if I can just keep my head above water. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the going can get so tough, it's everything we can do just to muster up and push through this day. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad goal. I'm not saying that, um, you know, you know that, that's just how it is sometimes, to just get through. But I believe in my life, no matter what hardship comes my way, when I get on the other side of that valley, I don't want to look back and know that I just survived, but I want to know that I won. That, that, that I was victorious, that I came through Swinging, And that's what I desire for all of us, that we would be victorious. But today what I want to let you know is that your foundation is key to your victory. Your foundation is key to your victory. What, what is a foundation? It's your footing. It's, it's your basis. It's the infrastructure upon which everything else is built. And, and, and when a home or a building is constructed, what is one of the first things that they do? They pour the foundation. They lay the foundation. And if it's done correctly, if it's structurally sound, no matter what comes against that house, it has a great chance of standing against that storm or that resistance. That's the, the purpose of a, of a foundation. And so I ask you today, my question to you, just to yourself, is what have you made your foundation? What, what have you built your life upon? What is it that is upholding you? And as you answer that to yourself, as you, as you take stock right now and what that is, then I ask you this other question, is it capable of withstanding the storm? Is it, is it able to, to hold you up no matter what comes your way? You know, Jesus had something to say about foundations. And often when we look at his ministry, we see that he spoke through parable, that he, he, he taught through story. Uh, it, was, it was a way of, of taking real uh, spiritual truths and putting them in a, in a uh, practical way where we can understand and easily apply it to our life. Uh, we, we do well with story. That's why I get up here and tell stories. I want to help you wrap your mind around the truths that I'm trying to convey. That's very much what, what Jesus did. And so in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, he says this, "'Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock.'" And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Essentially what he's saying there is that if you listen to my teachings, if you listen to my words and you live your life by them, you'll be like the house built on the rock. You'll be able to withstand what comes your way. But if you ignore the things that I'm saying to you and just go about your way, you'll be like the house on the sand. There will be nothing there to hold you up. Now, we have all kinds of foundations. We have physical, uh, spiritual, emotional. What are the things that are holding us up? I can say for my dad, it's been a combination of all three that is helping him walk through this recent um, accident. You know, he has a a strong spiritual foundation, no question about it. He has a strong emotional foundation. He fights for the peace of his day-to-day life. Uh, but really, he has a physical foundation as well. You know, his doctors and his, his uh, um, physical therapist said, because you've taken care of your body, you're well much farther down the road to recovery than you would have been had you not taken care of your body. You know, he works out with a trainer. He watches what he eats. He, he makes rest a priority. He has a physical foundation that has served him well in this healing process. And so another definition really of a foundation, though, is an underlying principle for something. An, an underlying principle or, a, or a, a system of belief, the fundamental truths by which you live your life. We all have beliefs. We all, we all have principles. We all have things that um, make up our worldview or the lens through which we see all of life and eternity and what happens and how we respond to that. We have, we have beliefs, whether you realize it or not. And, and what are your beliefs? How have you formed them? Because your principles are your foundation. Your principles are your foundation. More than your physical being, more than your emotional state, your spiritual principles are the thing that will be the make or break when life gives you limits. When a storm comes your way, that is going to be the thing that determines the key to your victory. Your principles are your foundation. And you form your principles by what you hear. What are the the, the voices that you're allowing to speak into your life? Who or what have you give prominence to, to speak into your life? What are the things you're reading studying, uh, allowing to digest, uh, you, you know, you've heard it said what you feed grows and what you starve dies. What are you feeding yourself? There, there's a lot of voices in culture. There's a lot of people trying to get the microphone. There's, there's a select few with the microphone who would want you to think that everything they say uh, is, is truth or that that's the standard. And I want to caution you to not let culture be the thing that forms your principles, Culture, politics, the media, Hollywood, all those things. I'm not saying you can't watch the news. I'm not saying you can't follow politics. I'm not being hard about that. But what I want to let you know is those cannot be the things that form the way you see this world and and what you believe. No other voice is more important than the voice of God. That has to be the primary thing that forms and shapes your principles. It can't be the news. Shut off off the, the negative influences. One of the best things I did was shut off notifications on my iPhone. Because I've got, you know, news apps and and Twitter and all these different things. And I have notifications turned on. And finally I realized, you know what, I'm in this funk because I have this like open door in my life to this constant stream of negativity. But I I can easily close that. So I turn it off and I I would encourage you uh, to do the same. Let God be the voice that is more prominent in your life when it comes to shaping your principles and your beliefs. No other voice is more important. And so you may say, okay, well that that sounds right. As a believer, I, I get that. But we've all been at that place where we struggle to hear the voice of God. Let's be honest. How many of y'all have ever wrestled with hearing the voice of God? There should be every handoff right now. <laughs> Even the most mature believers, you could have been serving God your whole life, and there's been those times where you question, is this God or, or, or is this me? Am I hearing right or, or is this just uh, bad pizza that I ate last night? Like, like what is this? I've been there. I mean, I've, I've had decisions in my life and things where I was really wrestling, and I felt like I was struggling to hear the voice of God. So in order to hear the voice of God, we have to understand the ways in which he speaks to us. We see in Scripture that, that there's evidence of him speaking in an audible voice. Um, I, I believe that he can still speak in an audible voice, uh, but I don't believe that that's the number, way, number one way that he w- would communicate to us. Secondly, we see in Scripture that he uh, um, communicates through supernatural means. You know, he spoke to, to Moses through a burning bush. He communicated through handwriting on the wall. There was supernatural ways which he got people's attention. And I believe that the same can be true today, that there's things he's done in your life that just, like, it rocked you. And it was like, okay, God, you've got my attention. Um, I believe more prominent would be that he speaks to us through other people, through what we would call the prophetic now, don't let prophecy or the word prophetic be something that scares you. Really, I believe God is already speaking to you on things. There's things in your life where he's nudging you or, or, or impress something upon you, and he will use another child of God to encourage you and confirm what it is he's already speaking. That's, that's prophecy, and that's a powerful way that, that God would speak to us. But more than any of these ways, the number one way that he speaks to us is through the word of God through the written words of Scripture. That is the standard through which he communicates. And really that's what Jesus was was urging us, that in that parable he was illustrating the importance of living your life, building your foundation on the words of God and the teachings of Jesus. No other voice is more important. And so we need to hear God and Scripture. We miss the voice of God when we skip over Scripture. Whenever, Whenever Scripture becomes optional... Whenever that becomes farther down the list, whenever that becomes just a, a checkbox on our spiritual to-do, we miss the voice of God. Uh, when we have this next best thing mentality in our culture, you know, we're always chasing the next best thing. We're always upgrading. We're always supersizing. Um, I was thinking about getting the Apple Watch, but I'm afraid to get it because I know as soon as I get it, the next one's going to be out, all right? So in, in turn, it makes us like non-committal. We're always chasing the next best thing. And I think that has infiltrated the church. The church has very much gotten caught up in in trends and moves of the Spirit and chasing signs and wonders and miracles and this and that and church growth and church planning, all these things. And all those things are good and have their place. But when we skip over Scripture and we miss the simple, practical, uh, powerful way that God speaks to us through that, we miss the voice of God. It's got to be priority. Uh, What if everything he wanted us to know has already been revealed to us? Okay, guess what? I believe everything he wanted us to know has been revealed to us. And I kind of want to show you that this morning. 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 3-5 through 5, says that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. So right there, right at the start, he says that he's granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Another translation says that he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. It goes on to say, supplement then your faith with knowledge. Uh, It's one thing to have faith in God, but I believe we also need to be growing in our knowledge of God. Do you agree with that? That that daily we should be drawing near to him, uh, coming to know him more, learning more about what the word has to say. We have to add to our faith knowledge. Jesus was a student, okay? And I'll I'll show you here in a second what I mean. Last week, do you all remember I said this, that Jesus made prayer a priority? That Jesus himself, the Son of God, withdrew from everyone else around him, withdrew from ministry, all the other important things to spend time with God through prayer. And if he made that a priority, how much more do we need to be a people of prayer? Okay, so that same thing applies then to this week that Jesus, I believe he was a student. And if he was a student, if he grew in his knowledge, how much more are we to do the same? We need to be students of the word of God in Luke 2.46, it says that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. So Joseph and Mary were traveling, and they've lost the boy Jesus. They, they, they've lost him, and, and they find him after a few days in the temple, sitting with the teachers, listening and asking questions. A lot of times I've heard this shared or, or, or explained that Jesus was there showing the, the adults what was up. You know, like he was telling them how it was done, or he was the one teaching them. But I think it's very clear that even though the passage goes on to say they were amazed at his wisdom at such a young age, it does very specifically say he was listening, he was asking questions, I believe he was growing in knowledge, I believe he was a student. So let's fast forward then 20, 25 years to the man Jesus. He's in the desert and he is, he is withdrawn, again, to spend time with his father through prayer and fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. In this time, Satan approaches him on three different occasions, each time to tempt him and to get him to falter. And the way Satan tempts him is through Scripture. He, he twists Scripture. He takes it out of context. He tries to use the very Word of God against the Son of God. And Jesus is able to withstand, do you all know how he does so? Through Scripture. He had a handle on the Word of God. He was a student. He knew the Word, and he used it in the proper light to not just correct the devil, but to be the thing that served as his foundation. He had a foundation because he was a student of the Word. The Word of God, is, is, it's a perfect manual for us. In it, we find the answers to this life. And you know the, the home that we're living in. Uh, the people before us put in this fancy, schmancy uh, AC furnace unit. It was brand new, and when we moved in, I'm, I'm fiddling around with it, trying to see how it all works, trying to get it fired up. So I've got it all open. I'm tinkering. You know, men, we act like we know what we're doing, but most times we don't. I'm improvising, and so I, I pull up YouTube. I'm, I'm texting friends. I'm you know kind of messing around with it, and it didn't take long before I realized I have no clue what I'm doing. If you ever need AC work done, call a professional. It's not my gifting. Um, so I I'd go on for about a half hour, and I'm making no progress, and finally next to the unit, I see this black and white manual, on the cover is the, the picture of the actual unit, and I just felt like a, you know, so foolish, I've wasted this time, so I go over there, and I open it, and within 30 seconds, I, I've got it up and running, you know that quick startup guide, it's got like five steps, do this, this, and this, boom, so paralleling that, a lot of times that's the word of God, it's, it's laying there, on our, on our nightstand, on our coffee table. And we're YouTubing self-help, and we're listening to this person on the Oprah network, and we're, we're reading these tweets, and we're asking this friend what they think, and we're trying to figure out what we believe about life, and the Word of God is sitting right there. The manual is there. It's begging to be open. It's saying, I have the answers. I've got the steps. I want to speak to you. The words of God are alive and living through these passages, but yet we don't pick it up. It's not going to do us any good just sitting there. And so what we have to do is we have to open that manual and allow it to speak to us. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. That we would be complete and equipped for every good work. I believe that Scripture is sufficient. Sufficiency suggests what is exactly enough. That Scripture is exactly enough, meaning that um, it's exactly enough, but it's not exhaustive. Because there's the revealed part of God's will, which he's given to us, and then there's the part he's yet to reveal. There's the things that, that he knows and sees that he hasn't shown us, but he has revealed to us everything he wants us to know. Y'all see what I'm saying? Me, me as a father, there's things I know about this life and in this world. And I could tell my kids, but it might scare them. It might add worry or stress to them. They might not understand it. But as their father, I am to decide the things that I feel they need to know. And I will still so reveal that to them. And that's the same thing God has done for us. He's revealed everything he wants us to know, but not everything that he knows. Scripture is exactly sufficient. And uh, we, we should rejoice in that revelation. So if it's sufficient, if it's perfect how it is, we don't need to customize it. A lot of times we like to tailor fit our Bible. We, we customize it for ourselves. We skip over the things we don't like and, and we focus on the things we do like. We act like this set of stuff applies to us and this over here, just well, that's just extra credit. That doesn't really apply to me. That's how denominations were formed. That's how churches split. That's how people you know, get, get in fights because we disagree on doctrine and we skip over stuff. And I believe that if the word is perfect and it's sufficient, we need to read it for all that it is and let it speak to us. It doesn't need augmentation. It doesn't need us to add or take away. You know, we're in the holiday season, and, and you probably have that recipe from Grandma that goes back generations and generations. You've got like a, a, a Xeroxed copy that's all tattered and laminated, and it's got the ingredients. And it's not your job to add to it or take away or to skip a step, but to follow it. And when you do so, you'll find that the dish is perfect just as it is. It's the same with the Word of God. God is clear. Do not, do not mess with His Word. Deuteronomy 4.2. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Proverbs 30, verses 5 through 6 says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19 says, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in his book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. It's pretty clear. God's pretty serious about that. Emphasize what scripture emphasizes. Take it for what it is. Why, why should we place importance on things that God doesn't or think that, that we see things more clearly or better than he does and that, that we should somehow improvise based on that? Did he, did he miss the point of his own writing? I, I, I don't think so. And so I want to share with you a passage that I believe to be one of the most concise uh, examples of the sufficiency of Scripture. It's just three verses, but, but in that, it's, it's laced with things that show that, that the Word of God is, is true, and, and it endures, and, and it holds everything we need for life. Beyond that, it shows that when life gives us lemons, there's, there's promises in these words that I want to show you. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll go verse by verse and kind of break it down. Psalm 19, verse 7 through 9, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now let's break it down. Verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Perfect uh, comes from the Hebrew for sufficient. Uh, That word, what was it, Mike? Mike. Dainu, he's my my resident Hebrew scholar here. (laughs) Dainu in Hebrew means sufficient. Um, Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, meaning that it is a foundation upon which to build your life. Making wise the simple comes from the Hebrew expression for open door, meaning that even the most naive minds can be made wise through the word of God. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right. This comes from the Hebrew for having the sense of showing the true path. Rejoicing the heart, this means that joy is found in obeying God's word. The commandment of the Lord is pure. This means that it is uh, uh, clear, it is lucid, it is not confusing or puzzling. And that it is enlightening to the eyes. This means it brings light to darkness and order to confusion. Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, meaning it's absent of imperfection or corruption. It is enduring forever, meaning that any change would only introduce imperfection. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether means that they are God's standard that which when we accept it, it produces righteousness in our life. And just three verses, there's so much packed into that on the sufficiency of Scripture, on the promises of God and how this is a foundation upon which we can build our life. We've got to get Scripture in us. It's not enough just to hear it. It's not enough just to read it or listen to someone else talk about it. We've got to get it in us because it alone lays out The principles for living. Uh, The the reformers had this battle cry. It was this Latin phrase, sola scriptura. Sola scriptura. It meant only scripture. And I think a lot of times in life, our battle cry might be something different if we even have one. We're, we're, We're so focused on what the doctor said, or we're so focused on what we think or how we feel, or what our bank account shows, or all these other things in the natural. And really. Rather than focus on those things, we need to step back and make our battle cry be only Scripture. Only Scripture. Scripture is the thing through which God speaks to us, it's the standard. It's, it's through what we can see everything else and have a clear plan laid out for our life. But it's got to be in us or it won't go much further. When, when, when I was a boy, I, I wanted to be a magician. And I got this uh, kit for Christmas one year that came with all the props, all the, the secrets of how to do these tricks. And, and what would happen is I would go in my room and I'd practice it like one time, come out to do this show for my family, and I'd mess the trick up. I, I'd, I'd get frustrated because really I didn't know what I was doing. So I'd storm back to my room, and then my dad would come in and be like, hey, take a little longer, get to know it, and then come do it. Let's say I changed career paths. Um, <laughs> but the point is this. If it's not in you, it's not going to go much further. We've got to get the words of God within us. Pastor has taught us before, RPM, read, ponder, meditate. Read, ponder, and meditate, because when circumstances change, the Word of God does not. When when, when the things of this earth fail us, the Word of God endures forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth endures to all generations. And and I'll tell you right now, everything on this earth will fail you. Your, Your boss will fail you. Leadership will fail you. I'll probably fail you. You'll fail yourself. Your body will fail. Your your finances will fail. This earth is imperfect. And if we put our hope in any of these things ahead of the word of God, they're going to fail us. But his word does not change. If we make that the thing that we form our principles upon, then we can live by principles and not by circumstances. Circumstances change. We we don't know what's going to happen. But his words, his truths, the principles of scripture are never changing. Make that your foundation. God considers what he's revealed as exactly enough, so we should rejoice in that revelation, realizing that uh, a a loving father is not surprised by anything we would go through. Therefore, he would not skimp on us and expect us to walk through this life and try to pick up the pieces by some other means. I want to kind of end where we picked up with that parable. Jesus said, if you would heed his words, if you'd live your life by that, form your principles by that, When life gives you lemons, you'll be like the house built on the rock because you have a firm foundation. Did y'all get anything out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.